0: We all hate being trapped. We all hate that feeling of just feeling we have no control over anything. We just feel suffocated. We just feel paralyzed of just because of either thoughts or physically, right? Like, has any of you ever got? I think it's called a cat scan, the thing where you lay down and the thing's kind of spinning around you, right? Cat scan, right? So if you guys have ever done it and you ever feel like trapped, right? It just you you feel like you're like whew, okay, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think that I'm just kind of stuck in this little box, right? You don't want to think about it or. I'm afraid to ask this question. Has anybody ever been stuck on an elevator? Oh, wow, that's a lot more people than I expected. It's the worst feeling in the world to be trapped into something, to be trapped physically, to be trapped mentally. It's the worst feeling in the world of just being trapped. So today, for this part one series, we are talking about a thought that gets into all of our heads, but let me just kind of spoil it from now. It's not just in your head, right? This was just kind of a teaser to put it out. It's not just in your head. But today specifically I want us to talk about worry. Worry. Worry gets the best of all of us, but it's not necessarily always a bad thing. So today I want us to talk about worry and anxiety, worry and anxiety. Let me put this disclaimer out there before I get myself into trouble. I am not talking about clinical anxiety. I'm not talking about clinical depression. Like there is there is a specific type of anxiety or worry or depression that requires uh, clinical medication and needs professional care. There is no question about that, and I'm not dismissing that. That is a serious thing that we need to take care of. But I'm, I'm, I'm talking at a broad level, the worry and the anxiety that gets the best of all of us, that we can all relate to. So science tells us that worry is actually the first step toward anxiety, and the flip side of that is depression. Worry is the precursor or the, or the catalyst that kind of sparks anxiety, and or depression. But kind of before we go in, let's kind of just start with our ABCs. Let's kind of go with a definition, right? Worry, worry, worry can get the best of us. Worrying about our kids, worrying about our finances, worrying about our health, so forth and so on, right? Worry can get the best of us, but it's not necessarily always a bad thing. But let's kind of build our basis here for part one of our series as far as a definition. Worry. Worry is a repetitive thought that gets in the way of problem solving. Worrying is a repetitive thought that gets in the way of problem solving so a, 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 th- a something that we continue to think over and over again especially at night it just gets the best of us we get so worried about it and it just it prevents us from thinking clearly and not only does it impact us but it impacts our relationships around us it just throws everything off when worrying paralyzes us and kind of uh, affects us from thinking clearly i want us for the first time to think of what are some signs within ourselves What are some signs that worry manifests itself within us? I want us to picture like a spiral. And the beginning of that spiral is that thought that just sparks before it becomes repetitive. That thought that just is a seed in our head and then begins to grow and begins to lead into anxiety and prevents us from being able to think clearly. I want us to think of that spiral. Like for example, if, I'm not calling on my wife, But if i'm late from coming home right and and sarah is home and i i told her i'm coming home at five i do not come home at five and you know six o'clock rolls around and i'm still not home where does her mind go yeah i my car went into a ditch and it has exploded and i'm burning on fire or i'm stuck in a ditch and i can't get to my phone and i'm isolated right the 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 the, the spiral the, the first thing the first thought that comes is i'm thinking of the worst case scenario. So I need to think of the signs. What is that first thought that comes before it becomes repetitive? What is that first sign? And for a lot of us, I want us, this to be a series, at least for today, to, for us to analyze the triggers. What are the triggers that trigger us? The triggers that trigger us. What are the triggers within us that spark worry within us? Like some common themes, for example, it could be finances. Finances, regardless of your financial income, finances can... can begin a a, a thought that ends up becoming worrisome and throws us off it could be our health right especially you have this one symptom and you're like what is that let me google it oh my lord i have 12 days to live right like the worrying ends up leading to one thing after another worry especially when you start googling certain things and then worry becomes anxiety and completely throws us off in every sense of way and just we make everyone else in our house go bonkers right so what are the triggers is it finances is it health is it our kids, right? My kid is in second grade and he did, you know, made a B on that exam. That means he's doomed. He'll never get into college, right? We always jump to that, that, that worst case scenario just from that worrying thought. So what are the triggers? Maybe if you're single and you're thinking, maybe I'll never get married. And that thought just continues to run over and over and over and over in your head. So we need to assess the triggers. Worrying, like I said, can be good and can be bad. But maybe a lot of us, we've heard, you shouldn't worry, right? Jesus says we shouldn't worry. The Bible says we shouldn't worry. Worrying is bad. Don't worry, right? Be happy, right? Those common phrases. We've heard that. You shouldn't worry. You shouldn't worry. You shouldn't worry. So I want us to kind of debunk this first myth. Worrying doesn't necessarily equal sin. Worrying does not necessarily equal sin. Let me give you an example of good worry. I personally, maybe it's because of my line of work, I worry that my wife and I, Sarah and I, we, our marriage will become like roommates. We'll just become roommates. We get busy, kids, this, finance, that, ministry, this, church thing, this. I'm going out of town here, so forth and so on. And we end up just living as roommates. Did you pay this bill? Did you contact that person? Did you do And we end up living as roommates. And it, it, that, that worries me personally. I'm just kind of sharing a, a worry for me. But that, to me, that's a good worry because that worry, then it will say, okay, you know what? I do need to cut off things from my schedule. I need to make sure I invest. I need to make sure I give the best of my energy toward my marriage and not just the end of the day, and we just pack everything else on our schedule besides investing in my marriage. I get worried that we'll end up living as roommates because I get scared about that personally because the impact of that is not just on us. The impact is on my daughter and, God willing, our, our future kid. And everyone here is impacted. Everyone here is impacted. Like, if if I'm not feeding, if I'm not investing in my marriage, it throws me off personally, my marriage, and it affects all of us. So I I get scared of that. So the worry, that's a good worry, right? I'm not necessarily say that's a sin. It drives me. Maybe for you, maybe the worry is your health. Like, I get worried that... I don't want my story to be that I was unable to play with my kid. I was unable to do X, Y, Z because my health got in the way. I never took care of my health, so it led me to do X, Y, Z. By the way, it's not on my notes, but it just hit me. I was listening to a leadership podcast this week, and they were talking about how leaders need to take care of their health. And they said, if you do not take care of your health, then you need to go to your family. You need to go to your, your friends. You need to go to your congregation and tell them, hey, guys, guess what? I'm not taking care of my health. So since I'm not taking care of my body, then you need to take care of my body when things begin to fall apart or when I start dying and you have to take care of things. Now, since I'm not taking care of it, that means you have to take care of it for me when I die or you have to take care of everything for me when it comes near the end of my life. Since I'm not taking it I'm not taking it seriously, I'm not prioritizing my health, then you end up having to deal with my health. So that just really hit home to me, but sorry, I digress, I was going off. But what was I saying? Worry. We need to assess good worry could be about my health. Why am I worried? Like, I I need to be worried that I need to take care of my health. That could be a good thing. So, I can't come down, I can't reduce it down to saying, if I worry, does that mean it's bad? That means I'm not having faith? That means I'm sinning? No, I can't reduce it down to a transactional thing that worrying equals sin. Like I mentioned, for those who maybe grew up in a Christian upbringing, Christian home, or, or at church a, as a child, you might have heard, you shouldn't stress, you shouldn't worry, just throw everything to God, and just, okay, but is, is that like a button I press? Like I can't worry, and though I just say, God, help me not to worry, amen? Like what is that? what does that look like, right? So you, and some people, maybe some people have told you, right, it says in the Bible, don't be anxious of nothing. Oh, okay, but I am anxious. No, but the Bible says you shouldn't be anxious. But I'm anxious and you continuing to say that is making me even more anxious So you need to stop saying that I should stop being anxious because it's making me even more anxious So how should I deal with anxiety? How should I deal with worrying? How should I deal with stress? So today I would love to share with you a passage that comes from One of the greatest missionaries by the name of saint paul the apostle. So he was a convert He was not born christian at all but once he experienced Jesus firsthand, it really rocked his life. And he ended up planting churches all around the Mediterranean Sea. One of the churches that he planted was in the city of Philippi, which is in modern-day Greece, around the year 62 A.D. And before, maybe before we jump into like the, the nugget verse of don't be anxious, I want us to kind of take a high-context understanding. This is, some scholars would say, that St. Paul is writing this letter while he is in prison. He's kind of writing these, like, different essays or blogs. Before there was such a thing as blog, but he's writing these essays to the city of Philippi. So he's writing these random things that eventually came together and be put into a letter or an epistle. So this is what St. Paul writes uh, to this letter. He writes to the Philippians who are in the city of Philippi, which are in the country of. it's very good. All right, so, therefore, my brothers and sisters. Okay, so he's showing showing this this familial uh, context language. Therefore, my brothers and sisters you whom i love and long for my joy and crown. i'm definitely not going to use red anymore on this wall but it says stand firm my joy and crown stand firm in the lord in this way dear friends i plead with Eudulia and i plead with sintichi to be of the same mind in the lord okay let's pause right here so he's saying therefore my brothers and sisters of whom i long and love for my joy and crown, stand for converts in the city of Philippi. And he said, I want you to stand firm in the Lord. Don't be passive. Don't be relative. Don't fall into the trap of you doing what's best for you when I do what's best for me. I want you to make sure that you are anchored in the of God's unconditional love for you. Make sure that's a constant in your life. Don't make it, don't make it gray. Don't make it wishy-washy. Don't make it relative. Don't fall into the trap of you do you, I do me. Don't fall into that. Stand firm in the Lord. Stand firm to understand God, who, the same God, yesterday, today, and forever, is the one who beautifully created you and has your life in the palm of your hand. Stand firm in that reality. Stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Again, he's, he's pleading, my brothers and sisters. He's, again, he's saying, my dear friends, I plead with, he's, he mentions two females. Yodonia and I plead with Sintichi to be of the same mind in the Lord. Why on earth is St. Paul calling out these two females? Right, he's saying, stand firm in the Lord. Right, great. All of a sudden, he calls out two ladies by name. He tells them, Uduya and I pleaded with some teaching to be of the same mind. So St. Paul is telling these two ladies, be of the same mind. That means that they are initially were not of the same mind. Most scholars would say that these two ladies actually had beef. <laughs> They, they, they were causing some drama in the church. There were some issues going on in the church because they were not seeing eye to eye. There was division among the Christian converts because they were in disagreement. So St. Paul's pleading. Again, he's using language. My brothers and sisters, you are my joy. You are my crown. Stand firm, my dear friends. I plead with you two ladies. Be of the same mind in the Lord. He continues being so vulnerable. Yes, I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. So he's kind of pleading. He's like, ladies, stop. Stop the bickering. Stop the division. You guys need to work things out because your division is becoming cancerous to everyone else in the church community. How true is that for our life? When there is a division in our marriage, who begins to sense it? Our kids. When there's division in in, in any organization, it ends up trickling down. Everyone begins to feel it. It affects everyone and everything. So St. Paul is not calling them out like to kind of like pull, you know, put them under the spotlight. No, he's saying, listen, I, I, I'm out of my love for you. I need you guys to work things out because when you guys win, everybody wins. So you guys need to talk this out. The division has to stop because that's the root of what causes so much issues in our life is division. We become so bipolar. Think, look at our politics, right? It becomes so polar and it causes so much division. So St. Paul is saying, no, we need to be of the same mind. Right? This is the language, for those who are familiar with the Agbeya, which is a prayer book the church gives us. The first hour, the morning prayers, is all about us being of the same mind. We, we even quote uh, another part that St. Paul said of us to be of the same mind. Yes, I ask you, my true companion, help these women, uh, Uduya and Sentichi, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. They, so St. Paul's saying, they've been at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, What on earth has this anything to do with worrying the topic? To be honest, nothing. (laughs) But I wanted to show this for one reason. These women, St. Paul calls them his co-workers. Women, co-workers working with him from the early century of the church. It was the church that elevated women's rights for them to be equal. St. Paul is publicly writing this letter of pleading with his co-workers, his friends, his joy and crown, his brothers and sisters, for them to work out their tension, for them to continue to work as co-workers. Here, the church is elevating women. St. Paul is pleading with these women. He's not treating them like, oh, whatever, they're just women, they're property. That was the culture around the Christian worldview, as women viewed as property. But here, St. Paul is elevating them. He's pleading, he's, he's, he's humbling himself, saying, please, guys, you guys need to work out the division that's within you. Uh, Sorry, again, it's hard for me to start in the middle. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers, whose names are in the book of life. They say, your names are written in the book of life. Like, God has an amazing purpose for your life. God wants to do amazing things in you, but I need you to be on the same mind for us to be in unity together. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near he's telling them like don't don't lose sight on on all the bickering and you get just suck on you get stuck on looking at things at a 100 foot level but take a big like if you look at things at a high level god is wanting to do amazing things within us so rejoice in that the lord is near and let people be know you by your gentleness not by your overreaction not because of your anger don't let people know you by that but be counter-cultural by being gentle think through before you say that divisive comment. be gentle This is what will allow people to know that you are a Jesus follower. Then he says this. Do not be anxious about anything. Cool. That seems pretty easy to write down. St. Paul, you don't know anything about my anxiety. You have no idea what I have to go through on a day-to-day basis. You definitely don't know my kids. You definitely don't know my past. So you have no position to tell me don't be anxious about anything. But St. Paul elaborates on this. Do not be anxious about anything, but... Right? He's not just ending it, don't be anxious, and glory be to God forever, amen. No, he says don't be anxious, but do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, every situation that gets the best of you, that, 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 that trigger that always leads to more worrying, that leads to anxiety, that just, just freezes you, in every situation, by prayer and petition. You know what petition is? That's just repetition. It's not just like, okay, uh, God, help me through this thing because father and I said I should pray about my anxiety so how me my anxiety amen but it's 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 building that rhythm it's letting it become the breath our daily breath of putting that into God letting it become a lifestyle it's not just something once come on come on you you get this you don't brush your teeth once and then you go to the hygienist shout out to my hygienist here yeah I had a cleaning today so I don't clean my I don't clean my teeth once and then and just say, okay, I'm, I'm good. What do you mean, hygienist? I have calculus. What do you mean? What do you mean I, I'm about to lose my – no. You, it, it's something that compounds. It, it builds up more and o- over and over and over again. So he's saying, by prayer and petition, but wrap that up with thanksgiving. Don't take it and be like, yeah, I'm thankful, okay? Yeah, I'm thankful. It's not just saying, like, say, I am thankful. So, yeah, I, I can move past that. Don't just skim through that. But he's saying, let it be woven into your heart as far as having a life of gratitude. Not just at a, not at a superficial level, yeah, I'm thankful, thank God for everything, concerning everything and everything, right? It's not, not just at a, at a text, textbook level. But he's saying, no, do you take a step back from your worry, from your anxiety, and do you put things in the perspective? And, and the most minuscule thing, in your mind it's minuscule, in your mind it's minor. But do you bring that back to God? I say, God, you know what? I'm grateful that I, I have this capacity of, of, this, of this role that I'm in. I'm grateful that somehow you took two cells and you created this child. Yes, I'm fed up, don't do, do, do get me wrong, like I'm, I'm tired of, of what to do as a parent. But you took two cells and you just created an electrical synapse to start a heartbeat. This is you, I'm grateful. This is not my child, this, this, is, this is all you. I'm just renting out this child. Lord, allow me to be the light of you to this person, to pour into them for the next generation. But it's all you. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Throw it to God. Like it's almost, he's giving this posture of like surrendering to God, pushing it to him. Like if it's consuming our mind, it's taking all of our mind, but push that back to a higher being. Push that to someone who has your entire life in the palm. Of his hand. And the peace of God, right? Who wouldn't want? Who wouldn't love to have peace, right? Such a great word. Would love to have ah, peace. But then he elaborates what this peace is. This peace, not the peace that oh, you got that next paycheck, everything's good, you got that raise, ah, peace. Oh, the kid got an A, okay, I got peace. Oh, you know, two days we haven't fought in the house, ah, peace. Not that, not not that peace. The simple I'm not talking about that peace. The peace of God which transcends all understanding, this peace which surpasses our logic, it's this peace which even is is beyond any language that's able to capture, not this peace that is seasonal, not this peace that is circumstantial. No, 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 I'm not talking about that peace. The peace which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. This peace will protect us, will protect our mind before our thoughts get the best of us. Finally, finally, brothers and sisters, I can't even read it, whatever is true, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, okay, we get it, St. Paul, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things, so repetitive, like he's just going on a rant and he's like, he just keeps on going, oh, going and going and going, Like, why is St. Paul giving this elaborate description? If I were to summarize it, he's like, surround yourself with things that are edifying. Surround surround yourself with things that build you up. Surround yourself with things that remind you to have a spirit of gratefulness. Surround yourself uh, with holy things to remind you of that. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, or seen in me, put it into practice. Like, see, see like he's not saying it in a prideful way. He's like saying you should be like me. He's like saying he's not saying it like that. He's not like saying a prideful way. He's like, listen, I'm in the same struggle as you. Anxiety and worry get the best of me. I'm telling you, but I notice when I surround myself more with the one who has my life in his hand, when I'm surrounded more by his unconditional love, when I'm more embedded into the life of the church, it puts things in the perspective for me. It's how, it helps me. It helps me solve problems. It helps me with my worrying. So imitate me, St. Paul is saying. And the God of peace will be with you. Surround yourself with things that are edifying to build you up. I'm a fan of social media. I, I you know, I, I, I'm on social media. I have nothing wrong with it. But many studies have shown that when it consumes us, when it's used outside of a unhealthy way, when we're following unhealthy people or influencers or so forth and so on. Do you know the mind? I love this stat. That I, when I, when I came across it, the mind. When we post like something about like our family or our kids or whatever, like our mind is unable to ab- is unable to process not what my neighborhood thinks about me or uh, but the entire world i'm unable to process how everyone thinks about my post like before social media like however whatever i did at home nobody really knew what i did at home right like i'm not i'm not exposing it to the entire world but i would think twice about it because maybe people in my neighborhood or my community wouldn't know about my cooking or my dress or what not my dress but I guess I have a dress. But you know what I mean? Like, about what I'm wearing or whatever. Like, I'm conscious about what other people think of me. But when I post it for the world to see, the mind is unable to process what the entire world thinks of me. This triggers anxiety. How come I posted this two hours ago? I only have 12 likes. I, it we, it, it, drove, it drives us nuts because our mind is biologically created not to handle what everyone thinks about my post. It's, we're unable to process it. How many of us are strategic of how we use social media? Are we strategically following the right people? And I encourage you, unfollow the things that are destructive. Follow the things that are sexual in nature that trigger negative thoughts. But follow things that are wholesome. Follow things that do build you up. I love social media because I, I, I get so many great ideas. I'm inspired when other people share spiritual things. That kind of It hits home to me. I love that. So we can be intentional of how we use social media for it to be noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, anything excellent or praiseworthy. Think about such things. Follow such things. Now what? All right Now what? My worry is still there. Like, then, like, how do I do, like, where, where should I go from here? It's not just in my head. It's impacting a lot of aspects of my life. Now what? I want us to catch the spiral early. Catch the spiral early. Name the thing that triggers that, that anxiety, that worry. Name it and label it. And saying, you know what? I am kind of taking this out of, out of uh, I'm always thinking of worst case scenario maybe my spouse is not stuck in a ditch and away from her phone. Maybe I need to just label that. That is the worst-case scenario. That is a 0.5% chance for happening. I don't need to jump to that that conclusion and and live that out as if that's what really happened. Maybe I need to take take a step back. So I need to catch the spiral early. And for a lot of us, it's at night. Once the sun goes down, the anxiety, the worry builds up. There's a biological component. There's a psychological component of how it builds up within us. This is why in the church, in this 2,000-year-old church, in this rubric, this prayer template known as the Egbeya, which is a Coptic word just meaning like a prayer book that the church gives us. We pray this before going to bed. Grant us a peaceful night and a sleep free from all anxiety. Grant us a peaceful night and a sleep free from all anxiety. Is this only for anxious people, nervous people? (laughs) No, this is a 2,000-year-old prayer that monks are praying, that you and I are praying, that nuns are praying. It's all of us. Even St. Paul gives us a nice psychological, spiritual practice to build. That, that thought, before the spiral goes on, going, 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 the worry kind of builds up and paralyzes us. He says this, we take captive every thought, he tells us to the city of Corinth and Greece, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You know what? That is worst-case scenario. I'm going to take that, I'm going to surrender that, and I'm going to wrap that with God's unconditional love. I'm going to give that to Christ. I'm going to make sure it's obedient to Christ. I'm going to take that thought before it drives me, before I say something, just building that false narrative. Before I do that, I'm going to wrap it. I'm going to give that to God. I want to take every thought and make it obedient to Christ. I want to make sure that it's submitted under Christ because he is my identity in which I am pursuing. So I need to catch the spiral early. Second point, I need to guard my mind. I need to guard my mind. I need to take that negative thought and replace it with a more better or believable thought. Replace it with a better or a more believable thought. I need to label it, call it out. Yeah, that is a 0.5% chance for that being a reality. I need to change it and replace it with a better and believable thought. And the third thing, I'm intentionally writing it like this, face it with God. Face it as one half, with God as the other. Have you guys ever exposure therapy? Exposure therapy, it's like if I'm nervous or scared of um, snakes, like so I'm not telling you to do this. I'm just sharing you how exposure therapy works. Exposure therapy works if I get very stressed when it comes to snakes. Exposure therapy would tell me I need to go pet a snake, right? I need to confront it. I need to come with boldness to, to, to overcome that worry. And you really think about it, every great man and woman throughout world history, throughout scripture, if you look specifically in the Bible, what made them great, what made them t- us talking about them centuries later is because they had this fear, they had this worry, but then they put it to God and they took this, this leap. They took a leap into, into the unknown. They, they took a, a, a leap with boldness and lived for God. And this is why we're talking about them centuries later. So I need to have that exposure therapy. I need to face it. Running away from it actually makes it 10 times worse. I have, I'm worried about having that conversation in which I'm trying to hide. I, I'm worried about being vulnerable in my marriage. I'm worried about being vulnerable with my kids. But doing this, like confronting it, that exposure therapy is what allows me to grow and confront it and actually cope with the worry or the anxiety of it. Have you guys heard of neurotheology? Neurotheology. So I, I talked about this many, many months ago. But neurotheology is the study of how neurons, the brain, works or pairs with theology, spirituality. And there was a very unique study that came out. I want to read the study by somebody named Dr. Caroline Leaf. I can share the book name if you want later on. But this is the conclusion of the study. It has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. How cool is that? Let me read that again. It has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain. It can be noticeable in a scan. It can be measured in a scan that it changes just by the power of prayer. So we need to face it, but not face it alone, not face it with just somebody with us. We need to put it to the one who has our life in his hand. So I need to face it with God. And the fourth one, I didn't put but some of us, it might require us to seek professional help. And I recommend that. There might be times where we do need that. And, there's, and it's a beautiful thing for us to take advantage of therapy, counseling, things like that, for us to be able to make sure that we get professional help. Or it could just be from a friend or mentor to be able to talk things out. This is how we are divinely wired from God. And I want to end with this. What if you live with someone who struggles with worry or anxiety, and you, you don't know what to say anymore, right? Please, that person that you live with that struggles with worrying or anxiety, don't tell them. You need to stop. Everything will be fine. Stop worrying. You actually make it worse. I'm speaking, unfortunately, from personal experience, right? I wish someone told me that in first years of marriage to stop saying, everything will be fine, Sarah, stop worrying. It, it, it doesn't help. Actually, it makes it 10 times worse. You know what that, don't make it like empty cheerleading either. To be like, everything will be great. I don't, you don't know that. Okay? I used to hate it when I was in dental school. I used to be super nervous before exams because I, I was not good academically at all. Like I was at the bottom of my class. I was not good. I still graduated, but I was not smart at all. Like, uh, And I hated, I hated when someone says, oh, it's okay. Everything will be fine. You'll do great. Man, you, don't, you, don't, you didn't see me study all week. How do you know I'm going to do great? I used to hate that. Been, like, you just made me more stressed by you saying I'm going to do great. You don't even know what I studied this week. What if I just played video games all week and then I'm nervous about the test because I'm going to do great? How do you know that? You don't know. So don't just say empty cheerleading, all right? Don't just say empty words and don't just tell someone, don't stop worrying. Everything will be fine. It makes it worse. But what we need to do for those of us who live with someone who struggles with worrying or anxiety, show sympathy. Show empathy. i I, I hear you What, what do you feel is triggering the worrying what's helping with it throw out these questions to be able to meet them where they are maybe they're not necessarily looking for solutions and please lord jesus husbands sometimes our wives are not looking for solutions they just need to talk things out and we just need to show sympathy and empathy right again i'm preaching to the priest and probably the choir but i'm just sharing We don't need to always jump to solving things. We do not always just say, stop worrying, everything will be fine, and just these empty cheerleading words. Sometimes we just need to meet them where they are, ask these questions for us to figure out what's causing, what's triggering the worrying in the first place. As I mentioned, the Agbaya, which is a prayer book, which we have on the connection table for those who wish to have one. I would love for us to challenge ourselves obviously on a daily basis, but especially over the next seven days, let's challenge ourselves to pray literally a 30-second prayer of the 12th hour absolution it is titled. This 12th hour absolution is a nighttime prayer, right? It's not like an elementary nighttime prayer. No, this is the rich, full, 2,000-year-old rich nighttime prayer in which we're praying, Lord, give us a peaceful night, asleep free from all anxiety. So what I would love for us to do, I know no one's going to sleep right now, But I would still love for us to stand and I want us to pray this and for us to build the habit of praying this together. Let's stand up. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, all our sins, which we committed against you in this day, whether in deeds or in words or in thoughts or through all senses, please remit and forgive us for the sake of your holy name as you are good and lover of mankind. God, grant us a peaceful night and a sleep free from all anxiety and send us an angel of peace to protect us from every evil and every affliction and every temptation of the enemy through the grace, compassion, and love of mankind of your only begotten Son, our Lord, God, and Savior, Jesus Christ, to whom is due with you and with the Holy Spirit, the life giver, who is of one essence with you, all glory, honor, and dominion, now and forever and unto the ages of all ages. Amen. Lord, I pray that through this series that we do not try to push down our worrying or try to cover it up or try to belittle it. Lord, I pray that we can bring it to the surface for us to to be able to process it, to cope with it, analyze what's triggering our worry and anxiety, and for us to throw that to you. Lord, I pray that we can build these spiritual muscles, um, able to to build our prayer life and give this to you, put things into context. And for us, knowing, we know in our heart, we're not defined by our worry or anxiety, but we want to be able to surrender that to you. Through the intercession of St. Mary, the mother of God and all your saints, Lord, hear us as we all pray together saying, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you guys. We will continue this series next Sunday.